I'm going to give everybody the opportunity to have a free Bible today. So uh, the Bibles that are available in front of you are, well, every week, uh, those are for you to use during the service. If you um, need a Bible and don't have one, take it home with you. If you have a neighbor who doesn't have a Bible, if you know somebody who needs a Bible, take it home and give it to them. We'll keep buying them. It's a priority of our church to put those in the hands of people. So uh, if you want to stack them, let me know. I'll get you a stack of them. Uh, so uh, we believe in the power of God's Word. We believe that everybody should have access to that. And so that's why that's available. And um, like we are saying, uh, make sure you fill out a Connect card if you're interested, if you're a visitor or just need to get some information to us. Appreciate Janelle from get it, for getting that to you. Today I want to talk about faith. Uh, if you look into the Christian Christian world, people talk about having faith. Or where, what is your faith in? Or where do you have faith? And a lot of people talk about faith. Um, if you were a, a person in the 80s, you knew that George Michael says you've got to have faith. faith. Never mind. Um, sang a song about that. And my cousin was named Faith, and so we used to sing that to her. I'm sure she enjoyed that. Um, but you know, there's been all kinds of faith, you know, this, or faithfully, or just the whole concept of having faith. And Jesus talks about such things. If you have faith, you can see mountains moved. If you have faith, is what is necessary for salvation. And so faith is an important aspect. But where does this faith come from, and how do we exercise faith? How do we have faith happen in our lives? How do we make it so that it's, um, it's something that, that causes things to happen in our lives, that causes God to move in our lives? And so today we're going to look at a couple stories. Now I'm going to be honest with you, um, as I've been going through the book of Mark, we're preaching through uh, the book of Mark, I have never heard these stories brought together like Mark intended them. There are two stories we're going to talk about, and Mark puts them together, and he intends that we keep them together because they're both supposed to tell us about what it means to have faith. It's going to come from two different avenues. It's going to come from a, a woman that doesn't have much hope in her life and a man who runs the synagogue and has servants. And it's going to come from people that are desperate for Jesus to move, and uh, we're going to see... Uh, what God does in their lives and what the place of faith is in what happens. So we start in Mark chapter 5, starting with verse 21. And it said, When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet. And implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, so that she may be well and live. And when he went with him, a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for twelve years, and who had suffered much under many physicians, and had spent all that she had had, and was no better, but rather grew worse." She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garment, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. 
And Jesus perceived in himself the power, that power had gone out from him, and immediately turned to get about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down uh, and told him the whole truth. I actually skipped through verse 31. We'll go back to that. And the disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? Verse 34, And he said to her daughter, Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? This child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha Kumai, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. So here we have two stories. Like I said, I've always heard these stories separated, but you see what happens is one story starts, and then right in the middle there's an interruption, another story starts, and then at the end you finish the other story. Because they're connected. This happened together. And so what we first see is a woman. A woman that, or excuse me, a man. We see a man who comes up to Jesus, and he falls before him, knowing that he has the power to do something, and he is desperate. And he says that his little daughter is at the point of death. And he says, come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. So he believes in the power of Jesus to do something. He doesn't necessarily know who he is. Now what's interesting about Jairus is, first of all, they mention his name. We, I mean, it's interesting that Mark decides to mention this guy's name. He doesn't mention everybody's name in the Bible. In fact, most of the time in the Bible, he never mentions anybody's name. He mentions the disciples, Jesus, and that's it. But this is a ruler of the synagogue. The other thing that's interesting about this is he's a ruler of the synagogue. What have we learned in the first five chapters of this book of Mark? The people that are in charge at this time don't like Jesus. In fact, they have been conspiring to kill him. They've been conspiring him to get rid of him. And here is somebody in a desperate state who says, I may be in this ruling class, but I know where the power is. And I'm going to come to him. And not only that, he is so desperate, he falls before Jesus and says, and that's not what a ruler does. A ruler doesn't do that. In fact, you see his servants come to him. A ruler is somebody who tells people what to do, and they say, yes, sir, no, sir. How high should I jump, sir? Okay, that's what they are. But he looks at Jesus and says, I have no hope. I'm coming to Jesus. And so he gets this. He gets Jesus' attention. He gets everything that he wants. And it says in verse 24, and he went out with them, and a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. 
Jairus is like, okay, this is going well. And then this woman pops up. This woman pops up. And it says there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. Now at this time period, this is probably a menstrual issue. She's had a discharge for 12 years. And in this culture, if you had this condition, you were considered unclean. And anybody that she touched would have to instantly change their clothes and take a, take a bath. Now, a lot of the rituals from the Old Testament, things like that, for cleanliness rules. So her whole life, if you can think about her, she is somebody who has been separated. Remember the leper who could not touch anybody because he was unclean? Same thing with her. She realized that just being around people was causing issue. Just her opportunity to be in this culture, the opportunity to become a mother was so important, she realized that she couldn't be a mother. The opportunity just to have fellowship with somebody, just to have somebody care about you, wasn't happening. And she was hopeless in her quest, what was going on. And so during this, um, she said, and she had suffered much under many physicians. Now, understand the fact that she had suffered much under physicians. Some people have taken this out of context and say, don't go see a physician. You know, a Sanford over there, that's where you suffer, okay? I'm not picking on our doctors here, all right? Um, but what it is saying is, if you've ever been for procedures, even today with our painkillers and things like that, anybody just love going to the doctor and love, hey, let's get a shot just for fun. Let's, have a, let's go to physical therapy and see if somebody can wrench something back into place. Or how about, I, I love going to the dentist, anybody else like that? When they take that pick and jam it in your mouth, oh, that's a good time. Okay, so when you say suffer under many physicians, and then have you ever watched the History Channel about physicians at this time? Okay, this is before, this is like bleeding leeches. This is, who knows what they're doing at this time. And in an area that we're not comfortable having, you know, Things like this happen, and so she's suffering under many physicians. She has given them all the money that she has, so she's destitute. And she realizes, and in this culture, in this climate, an issue of bleeding is eventually going to kill her. She probably doesn't have much time left. It says she was not getting better, she was getting worse. And so if this has been going on for 12 years. Uh, everything was going bad for her. And she is desperate for something. And so she had heard the reports about Jesus. Again, both of them had heard reports about Jesus. One thing you don't, you don't see is that they heard who Jesus was. Just keep that in mind. They heard reports about Jesus, but they're not coming to Jesus with some kind of great knowledge. Where they're like, they're, they're, they'll try anything. I mean, we hear about people all the time that are trying Maybe they're desperate, they've had a, they have a disease, and they'll try you know, anything they can do just because they're so desperate. That's where she's at. From the, and she said in verse 28, for she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And in this understanding, we need to understand that she was using an ancient understanding of healing. She's not even doing like, if I go to Jesus, and you'll hear this today with people, and if you want to be healed, the, people will give you a sermon on 12 different things you must do to be healed. 
Here's the proper mindset you must have. You must confess Jesus in such and such a way. You must have your theology correct. You must have this. She's using ancient shaman practices right here. She's saying if I sneak up behind him and touch him, because that's the way that shaman worked at this time was with garments, it'll work. And so you see that she doesn't have a complete understanding of everything. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of a disease, it says in verse 29. The tenses of the verb say that dried up and felt are completed actions. Basically, instantaneously, completed actions. She felt in her body. I'm sure there was a strength that returned to her. She felt the change in her. But the key word right here is if you look at the end of verse 29, the verb here in Greek lets us know that she was healed of the disease, which is an action that has lasting effect for the rest of her life. You see, when Jesus is going to heal us, and Jesus wants to do something in us, and the power of God touches us, it, is, it does immediate things. But you need to understand the ongoing action is what's really most important. I've seen all kinds of people that have received salvation. They've come forward and they've said, I want to be saved, and there's no action that goes after that. God wants it to go on for the rest of your life and into eternity. God wants healing, and actually the word for healing right here is the same word for salvation. He wants us to keep going and going. Now this is the next part, and if I'm one of the disciples, they get picked on a lot, and, but i got to be honest, I'd be doing the same. I think I would have said the same thing. And Jesus perceived in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? Okay, first of all, we have to ask, and if you go on to verse 31, and the disciples said to him, and I don't think the sarcasm really gets through completely in this, you see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, who touched me? It's like saying, which drop of water in Lake Bemidji got me wet when you jumped in? There's a lot of them, Jesus. You ask us questions, are you testing us, or is this a trick, or are you having fun with us? But, and, in, and the point here is, why did Jesus even say that? She got what she wanted, right? She was healed. So what's the point of him saying, who touched me? And Jesus wanted more than just her healing. Jesus wanted her to come to faith in Jesus and become a follower and a believer in Jesus Christ and have salvation in her life. You see, the point of healing is not so somebody can just be healed. I'm going to talk about this later, but guess what? This lady died later in life. We have no examples of Lazarus, who was raised from the dead, still being alive. See, the most important miracle has happened in everybody's life. If you say to yourself, I've never had a miracle in my life, have you become a Christian, you've received the greatest miracle of all, salvation forever. Your life has been transformed. And so Jesus wants to stop right here and make sure that she understands that this is about her faith. He singled her out for another reason. Here is a woman who had an issue of blood that would have been always in the corner. No one would have talked to her. 
Everybody would have been afraid of her. She was probably that lady like a leper that no one wanted to be around. And here's Jesus Christ, the biggest star on the planet at this time in that area, saying, I want to minister to you individually. That should tell us something about Jesus. Because I think there are people, and we've bought this in, in this world, and we know people will say, well, in this world, if you got to know people, or you got to have money, or you got to have a reputation, or you got to have inside contacts, or you got to do this, otherwise you're not going to get anything done. Now, I know in other countries, you have to bribe people. That's a very common thing. When I went into other countries, they know who to bribe, who not to bribe, um, and things like that. But Jesus wants you to know today, there is not one person here, no matter what outcast you may feel, no matter what everybody has told you, walk away with this. Jesus Christ is here to individually minister to you. Okay? There's going to be a point here where we're going to talk about faith, but there's also a little point here that says Jesus wants to work with you. Everybody. He wants to work with the rich person of Jairus, and he wants to work with this lady. And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. The woman had reason to fear. First of all, she, like the leper, remember the leper that ran after Jesus? If he was going to cause, lepers could have caused the disease in Jesus. He also was declaring Jesus unclean. Here's a lady that was pushing her way through a crowd. She might have touched other people even in that crowd. She took a big risk. And probably also she was afraid that Jesus was going to say, listen, woman, don't do that. Who do you think you are? That's probably what she was expecting. But Jesus really wanted to say, I want to work with you. And look what he says to her. She, first of all, she falls down and told him the whole truth. Okay, I, I was sneaking up behind you. I wanted to touch the back of your garment because I was so desperate. I know you're mad at me. I know you're a man in this culture, and I'm just a woman. And in this culture, that didn't mean much. And, and so I shouldn't have done it. I shouldn't have done it. Sorry. I'm sorry. And Jesus says, what does Jesus say? Daughter. Wow. Just reaches right out to her. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. So Jesus gave her the true story of why she was saved. First of all, he said, you think you understand what just happened. You think that by touching my garment, some magical act happened. Some magical thing happened. I mean, I know a lot of new age things where uh, that we still have this today, where people say, if you touch these crystals or if you have these magical uh, things happen, that's, still the way, that's the way this world is still true today in paganism. And, but we need to understand, he's saying, your faith in me made you healed. It had nothing to do with you sneaking up behind me. It was this. And he says also, you are healed, which has two aspects. Now you're healed in this world and physically, but your faith in me is what's going to cause your salvation. It's going to cause you to be okay for the rest of your life. And then he declares this word that we use all the time. Okay, I'm not going to say it, but people will say peace out or peace. If you're a child of the 60s, everybody used to talk, peace, man. Okay, for all my father of the 60s, was that okay? Did I do it well? I don't know. But, you know, it's just like, uh, 
you know, just the whole concept of peace, and we say make, uh, you know, all this stuff that we had. But we need to understand, when you say peace in a Hebrew context, it means that he is saying you are whole, you are in well, a state of well-being, and you are now in a right relationship with God. When, he, when Jesus says peace to you, he says you are now back in line with God. This woman walked away with the greatest gift she could ever had. And if she would have died the next moment, it would have been fine. Because she received her salvation. But Jesus also healed her to show this. Okay, so we have this story, right? The woman. Who are we forgetting here? How about Jairus? What do you think Jairus is thinking at this time? This is a good speculator. I got Jesus' attention. I was here first. I've got Jesus. I'm the ruler of the synagogue. And we're stopping because somebody touched your robe. You understand where he's thinking here? We're stopping. My daughter's dying. And so, and while he was still speaking, he's still speaking to the woman, there came from the ruler's house some who said, your daughter is dead. So while this happened, it went from his daughter being ill to his daughter dying and they say, why trouble the teacher any further? So Jarius, we don't know for sure, but I could see some anger issues. What, is, what about me? I came to you and you, you should have done this. Um, but we think, as we look at this, that Jesus knows what we need. I can tell you that for sure. Jesus knows what, he need, what we need. And he sensed in his spirit that Jairus needed to see this miracle if he was going to get the miracle that he needed. So that Jesus said the timing is not right. And guess what? I don't like that. Anybody else love the timing of when Jesus says wait? Anybody? Anybody? Oh, love it. Yeah. Jesus, I'd like a job. We'll wait for a little bit. No, now. Okay? Remember, we like things immediately. But he is saying, you need to trust me. He receives the worst news possible, and his his, uh, people that are with him says simply, they say to him simply, why bother? Your child's dead. There's no hope anymore, so let's just go and leave. And they're implying that Jesus, they're even implying to Jesus, death is something that Jesus can't handle. So overhearing this, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. Jesus encourages the word we need to hear. Do not fear, no matter what the circumstances, keep believing. I want you to understand that that is so clear from this. Do not, in your faith life, do not say there is a circumstance that has come up now that Jesus cannot handle. He is looking at this guy, and he is, this whole thing is written for our benefit. Jesus is doing this for our benefit. And he is saying, don't, don't let this get you down. I've got this under control. And so here is this guy, and now he's got to make a decision in his faith. We're, the whole issue here is faith. What's his faith going to do? Is his faith going to believe his, his, uh, his servants who said, give up? She's dead. 
We all know dead is dead. Okay, there is no coming back from that. If you go to, if you go to the hospital and you're dead, they don't have a procedure for that. It's just they don't. If they didn't at this time, they don't now. So, another, so what happens is he's moving along and they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. Now at this time, you would hire people to do this. Okay? You would hire people to come outside your house if somebody was ill or somebody was dead and you'd hire people to maybe even shake tambourines and scream and wail loudly for you. And if you were really rich, you would have all kinds of people wailing loudly for you. It was, it was just a way of doing this. We don't know if this was actually the family or if it was the hired people, but this was a common trait at this time. And Jesus saw this commotion. And when, they, and when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in with it where the child was. So here's another challenge to the faith of Jairus. He's had all these challenges. First of all, he has to come off his high horse as a ruler and come to Jesus and, and say, here I am, I'm a ruler of the synagogue. All my friends don't like you, I'm going to still come to you. Then he has to come up and deal with the fact that his child is dead and now he has to deal with all these people that are laughing at him and Jesus. He has to go through the scorn and say, is this worth it? Am I going to take my chance with this Jesus? These people are right. Dead is dead. It's, not, it's, it's over. They laughed and mocked Jesus. But what happens when they put it outside of Jesus? You know what happened? Jesus, when you mock Jesus, you know what Jesus says? Fine, you don't get to see the miracles then. All these people had the opportunity to see something great. All these people could have seen somebody raised from the dead. I'm going to be honest with you. Never seen it happen. Love to have seen it. Anybody else? That person's dead. That person's alive. Bucket list. I don't have a bucket list beyond that. All right, that's, that's it. I mean, that's, that's really cool. I mean, I've talked to people that have seen it and, you know, it has happened since this time. People have been raised from the dead. It does not happen all the time. But Jesus, again, the opportunity to see great things in your life can happen if you go to Jesus and trust him and follow him all along the way. And when he says something that seems outrageous, don't laugh. Say, cool, bring it. I can't wait to see what Jesus is going to do with this. Oh, today's a horrible day. Well, this is a challenge for Jesus. He's got this covered. Life's not going so great. Jesus is bigger. And so he took her by the hand and said to her in Aramaic, Talitha Kumai, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up. Now Jesus spoke in Aramaic. What's interesting to understand is the whole Bible is spoken, most of the time Jesus is preaching and talking, he's talking in Aramaic, and then they translate it into Greek and write the Bible, and then we translate it into English. So when people say, you know, it, there's a few times in the Bible, one is on Jesus is on the cross, when they say what he says in Aramaic, and a couple other times they'll say this. We don't know why they use this term right here, but every once in a while they'll say, this is what the Aramaic said. If you, don't, if you ever watch The Passion of the Christ, the movie, that's in Aramaic. 
And so I, as, what made me laugh is I saw where they showed that to the people that still speak Aramaic, and they loved the movie. There's like a group of people in the Middle East that still speak Aramaic, and what's there been like three movies in their whole lifetime made, and you know, so they showed it to them, and they loved it. Um, but that's just a side note. That was for free, too. You didn't have to pay any extra for that. So, and they offer food to her, and that proves she's alive, because one of the things that you'll find at this time, we'll even see it in Acts, will people say, well, yeah, she's alive, but she's just a ghost. Remember what Jesus did after he rose from the dead? Give me some fish. Remember when Peter was released from prison? It's just Peter's ghost. This is the common thing at this time. So what does Jesus say? Yeah, you all think she's a ghost, right? Give her some food. Ghosts can't eat food, huh? See that? Jesus kind of has that always in the back of his head. He's like, he knows. He knows. And it's important to understand that we need to see these stories in stereo. I took that from a commentary. I'm, I can't remember which one it was, so I can't give him credit for it. Um, but it wasn't, wasn't me. But I like how he said it. It's, we take these in stereo, these two things working together. You know, a stereo, you get one signal coming out of here, one out of here. And when you bring them together, it works. And you see these stories. We have two people. They, sh- they are letting us know that Christ deals with all people, rich and poor, powerful and powerless, male and female. Um, and impurity is overcome. Two things you do not touch as a Jew at this time. A woman that is impure through her menstrual cycle or a person who is dead. What does Jesus say? I make things clean. I don't become unclean. Little thing there. There's a lot of little things in here, and it's so tough when you're preaching this because you want to say, okay, i got a stick, and I don't have six hours to go through every passage. But um, we need to understand that Jesus' effect, and that should be something that you understand about Jesus. You say, well, I'm so unclean and undirty, undirty. What does Jesus do to that? Cleans you up. Understand that. So let's talk about what is true faith. How can we have true faith? There are four points I just wanted to conclude on and kind of sum this whole story up. True faith brings the power of God into our lives. Those who had faith received the miracle and those who had faith saw the miracle. Okay? It's important to understand that the woman received because she went for it. Okay? She opened herself up to the power of God and had faith in Him. And Jesus was very clear. What saved, what saved her? What made her whole? Your faith has made you clean. Your faith has healed you. Very clear what happened there. So when we have faith in God, the power of God is released in our lives. And it's so interesting to understand. It's not like we're the... Some people will take this term, just so you know, they take it too far, and they say, we have kind of this power just kind of we get to use. No. When we are in access, when we are in touch with God, God works through us in the power of God. We don't have access to it where we can just say, look at me, I can do whatever I want because I got the power of God. No, we get to say, we get to work as God's agents on this world. And God gets to work in our lives. We have faith in Him, He changes our lives. We have faith in Him, we receive salvation. We have faith in Him, we see things happen that would not have happened. The faith of the Father who believed in Jesus no matter what brought about the healing. The faith of the woman who risked everything to get to Jesus brought her hope and, and salvation. 
Faith in contrast to the physical evidence. Okay? There's no way you can be healed. She just went to all the physicians. All the physicians said there's no way this can be done. What did Jesus say? They're right. I'm the only one who can do it. Okay? Jesus is over all, and the power of God is in their life. There's no way people come back from the dead except for the power of Christ. The other thing we need to understand is true faith is active. There are obstacles to our faith. For the woman, it was the obstacle of being on the outside looking in. It was being ostracized by society. It's being told that she's not good enough. It's about being poor. It's about being in a class that doesn't, that doesn't get any respect at this time. It's about being a woman at this time and not really even being allowed to speak. It's amazing how often Jesus talks to women. People don't understand this about the Bible, but it's a very pro-woman book. Because if you read any other things at this time, it's like women are property. Okay? And we need to understand that. So Jesus is talking to her, and he says, you know what? And the other thing is active is when you get sad announcements from your friends that are trying to help you out, give up. It's just not going to happen. Don't, you can't do it. We need to understand that God is greater than our friends. God is greater than the, than the verdicts of others. Men who lowered their friend to see Jesus, remember them? Remember them? Just, they took action. They said, we can't get to Jesus. We're going to find a way to get him there. And Jesus looked up and said, hey, there's a guy coming down. You know, that's awesome. But we need to find a way to get to Jesus. Does that mean we earn it? No, it means that Jesus is looking for people that want to be around him. Remember, all these things are happening. All these pieces of information. Everybody could have seen the miracle. People could have seen great things happen. People could have heard this about the parables. All they have to do is follow after Jesus. Beyond belief, there must be action. People all over the world believe in Jesus. And what does James say about that? So do the demons. It's a shot. Yeah, you believe in Jesus? Good for you. The demons are still believing him. Do you have faith in him to take action and follow after him when it's hard? When you get mocked? When people laugh at you? When people say you're an idiot? When people say you're simple-minded? When people say that, you know what, nobody believes in the Bible anymore. What a fool that you are. Nobody believes in the power of Jesus. You should believe, if the doctors say it's over, it's over. No. You believe in Jesus no matter what. We take the action. True faith is personal. It's not just a transfer of power. God is not some power force. He's not the force. Okay, if you're a Star Wars fan, he's not. I mean, they make the force. Almost every other religion that you study all, is all about force. It's about this power that you can access if you just do the right rituals, if you just follow after this. But you know what? Jesus is personal. He didn't just transfer power to the woman. He wanted to interact with that woman. True faith in Jesus means we have access to the Father. We have access to Jesus. It's sticking with him. And not just a Another interesting thing is, at the very end of the story, Jesus tells the people um, to not tell everybody about the resurrection, about the resurrection of the child. And people may wonder why. Because Jesus did not want to be known as just a miracle worker. He wanted to be known as somebody that was there to save souls. 
And if people would have heard about that, all they would have said to him, he could have gone out there. Okay, this is me being human and not being Jesus. All the people that mocked him, yeah, face, right in your face, guys. Look, she's alive. Anybody else want to taunt me? Anybody? Bring it on. Okay, is that, is that not a not normal instinct that we would have? Yeah, you laughed. <laughs> Take that. I'm sorry. That's, that's, I can feel that as a guy. Like you just, maybe I played too many sports. But, um, but he wanted a greater message, which is I want to access to your life. I want to work with you as individuals. I don't want to just be Jesus the wonder worker that people pay money for and they see the Vegas show of. That's not what Jesus is about. In fact, there are churches that have gone that direction that really irritate me because it's about becoming personally involved with Jesus. And our faith allows us to have that access. True faith believes Jesus can overcome. No limit to Jesus. Remember what has happened in the first few chapters. They're out in a storm. Jesus is asleep. He gets up, looks at the storm. He says, stop peace be still. Just basically stop, and it immediately stops. Nobody can do that. And then, what else does he come up? A demonized man that people have been trying to put in chains, Jesus just says, okay, I'm going to set you free of your demons. A woman who has a disease that could not be fixed, Jesus says, it can be fixed by faith. Death, there's no hope. There's hope in Jesus Christ. Now I want to tell you something. This story about the woman dying, the little girl dying and coming back from the dead, or even the woman who is healed of this, these are all to tell us about the true miracle that is the resurrection. Why does Jesus call it sleep? Why does Jesus look and say, she's just asleep? Because he wants to know that death is not permanent. When you go to sleep, you wake up. Sometimes we don't want to wake up. Sometimes it's six in the morning and our alarm goes off and you're like, are you serious? I don't want to be awake. Okay? Maybe some of you do. Maybe some of you are like, hey, sweet. I get to do that. But Jesus uses that. And you notice that Paul later picks up this concept, those who are asleep. Why does he use that? Because the resurrection, again, this woman died. This little girl died. But what he is saying is, death is not permanent. And you're going to see when the whole story unfolds, when I rise from the dead, that there is nothing permanent in your hopeless situation when you don't receive the miracle right now. For some people, you may pray for somebody who is dying, and they will die. Okay? It will happen. And for other people, they will be healed. And you say, why does that happen? Only God knows. But I can tell you this that we all have hope in Christ in death. And that is, they are only asleep. Do not worry about those who have fallen asleep before you. Don't worry about them. They're with Christ. They're going to rise from the dead too. What a hope that we have. But do you understand, this comes out of a hopeless situation. And nothing's more hopeless than death. There's a story from Martin Luther. And it's able to hold on to your faith, is talking about even in the face of death. 
And Martin Luther, knowing that God had conquered death, he, he talks about the fact that one of the lowest times of Martin Luther's life, his beloved daughter, Magdalena, barely 14 years of age, was stricken with the plague. And what did Martin Luther do? He prayed for her. He prayed that God would heal her like any parent would. Broken, but she died. Brokenhearted, he knelt beside her bed and, and begged God to release her from the pain. When she died and the carpenters were nailing down the lid of the coffin, Luther screamed out, Hammer away, on doomsday she'll rise again. That's the hope we have in Christ. Not the fact, because if the worst enemy that we have is death, and this has proved it, she's just sleeping. Jesus is giving us a clue right there. This isn't the end, people. Have your faith. Have your faith in Christ. Keep faith in him no matter what circumstances are going on in your life. No matter what's happened in your life today, keep your faith clear to God because it's worth it. He's going to deliver you, whether it's in this life or the life to come. He has you covered. Why don't you stand with me right now? If our prayer ministers could come forward, if you're here today and you need someone to pray with you, if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ, you've never made him the master of your life. You've never made the commitment that this woman did where she just said, I, I believe in you, Jesus. She confessed her faith to him and he declared to her, you are now at peace with God. And we need to understand that that peace from God comes from our faith in him and faith in him that we are going to follow him no matter what. And you know what? He's never going to let you down. You say, well, what if bad things happen? He's never going to let you down. What if I have to go through bad things? He's never going to let you down. What if I die? Then you're with Jesus. I like the guarantee on this, okay? There's no warranty claims, things like that. Jesus covers it all, all right? So if you need that today to make that commitment to Christ, today is the day to come and talk to one of our prayer counselors. But for everybody else who's here, you may be in this hopeless situation. You may identify with the woman. You may identify with the man, with the little girl. You may identify with the people that are mocking and saying, I'm at the stage where I'm just mocking because I don't believe that Jesus can actually do anything. I believe that I've reached a, a stage now where it can't be done. There's, it's too late. You know what? It's never too late with Jesus. Keep on believing. Keep on trusting. Keep on following. That's what faith is. It is persistent. It is active. It is personal. Okay? It flies in the face of hopelessness and says, my God is bigger than this world. And for any situation you have right now, understand that. So if you're here today, no matter what, you need to make a commitment today. God, I want you to help me overcome this. Help me to keep my faith on you. Help me to keep my faith off the circumstances, which look pretty grim. I can't think of a more grim circumstance by the fact of your daughter is dead. That's pretty grim, but Jesus says keep on believing. And what is he telling us? Keep on believing no matter what's going on. If you need someone to pray with you today, we have our prayer ministers available to pray with you, and they'd love to be here to pray for you. Lord, I thank you today for your message, for what you have presented through your scripture, God. I pray, God, if there's anybody here who has not accepted you, God, that is living on their own but does not have the power of Christ in them. Lord, we may be desperate like Jarius or the woman with the issue of blood, 
God, let us find a way to get to you, knowing, God, that you are there waiting for us. In fact, God, you're there chasing us, it says in the Bible. You're there seeking after us. But, God, we need to stick with you during thick and thin because you are going to carry us through. And, God, I pray for everybody here who may be feeling hopeless. Maybe the doctors have given you the prognosis, God, that it's hopeless. But, God, we have one of two options. You heal us or you take us home. Let us know that neither one, both of them, God, are by your power. And both of them are hope by you, God. And God, if we're in a tough situation, you can work through it and do amazing things. And, and God, we've learned from the first few books, our first few chapters, there's nothing outside of your power. Nothing in this world. Keep on believing. Keep on believing. We ask this now in the name of Jesus. Amen.